0: Pottywample with the Shadow People is a narrative podcast about friendship, magic, mystery, and the divine feminine. This podcast sometimes deals with topics of a sensitive nature, so listener discretion is advised. Content warning. This episode contains a scene where a woman dies in childbirth. When the moon is a smiling crescent, she too smiles and laughs with her bosom companions. When the moon is gibbous, her cup overflows. When the moon kisses the sun during an eclipse, she too kisses the man who shines light on her life. And when the moon is full, its light guides her as she caughty with the shadow people. Episode 12, The Moon Mother Diana was born under a full blue strawberry moon. Her mother insisted that she give birth at the crossroads with Minerva tending to her. She had suspected that she would not survive the labor, so she figured dying in childbirth at the crossroads would make the burial easier. The glowing moonlight illuminated the sweat on her forehead and the blood that poured out of her. It somehow even managed to make her final breath glisten. Minerva held the crying baby and kissed the dead woman's forehead in a final goodbye. As Sarah, the caretaker of the crossroads buried the woman, Minerva swaddled the baby girl and tearfully sang her a lullaby. The child would be a ward of the Chateau and the Moon Women now, but Minerva knew that she would truly belong to the moon, just as her mother had. When Diana was five, she was a lonely little shadow child. One night, she looked out her window and asked the smiling crescent moon for a friend, and though the moon gave her no answer that night, the next day, She met a girl with hair like the night sky and a smile like the crescent moon. Her name was Mary, and she was a sweet girl, perhaps a bit too sweet. The other kids thought she was too gullible and would tease her often. Well, that is, they teased her until Diana stepped in and started defending her. Everyone was too afraid of the shadow girl to mess with her new friend. At sixteen, Diana had to start earning a living. She did not have a strong enough stomach to be a midwife like Minerva. She would have loved to dance for the patrons in the main hall like some of the other women, but she had two left feet. She thought about reading cards or tea leaves, but she never had the eye for that sort of thing. She spent a few nights on her back, but her heart was not in it. Diana racked her brain trying to figure out what she could do. She could not stay at the chateau if she could not contribute. She looked out her bedroom window and asked the half-full gibbous moon to point her in the right direction of her ideal vocation. The moon gave her no answer. About a week later, Diana was strolling the grounds behind the chateau. It was a busy night in the big greenhouse. The sounds of revelry bled out into the warm night air. She gazed up at the full thunder moon, almost mesmerized. She was so taken with its glow that she did not notice the rotted, hollowed-out tree stump in time to stop herself from bumping into it. As she collided with the stump, she looked down to see it half-full with rainwater from the previous day's storm. The moon reflected in the water. If it was possible, she was even more taken with the reflection than the real thing. The water rippled as a strange wind blew. As the breeze billowed around her, she heard a voice being carried through it. The voice enveloped her entire being. It filled her mind and wrapped around her heart. She heard it whisper, Take the Thunder Moon water, take as much as you can, for the community, for revelry. She ran back to the house and grabbed two large buckets. She scooped as much water from the stump as she could carry. The next day, she boiled the water to ensure that it would be safe to drink. "'and bottled it up in tiny, empty herb jars. "'She sold the jars to the chateau patrons for a dollar apiece. "'When they asked her what the water was for, "'she repeated what the wind had whispered to her. "'For the community. "'For revelry. "'Every month, she would return to the stump to collect the moon water, "'and each time, the wind would whisper what the water was for.' The water collected under the pink moon brought romance and lust. The hunter's moon water brought comfort. The cold moon water brought family and security. At first, when Diana started peddling moon water, the other moon women were skeptical. They were not convinced that folks would buy tiny bottles of boiled water. But she soon acquired a small gaggle of regulars. The customers would do her advertising for her. I have so much more energy now that I add the wolf moon water in my bath. My son is doing so well in school since I gave him the frost moon water. My cold went away as soon as I drank the snow moon water. Diana was happy that she was finally able to contribute to the chateau. A year later, Diana found herself in love. She had long harbored feelings for her dear friend, Paul, and she had begun to suspect that he may feel the same way. She often dreamed of a romance so intense that the sun and moon would halt their rotations just to admire it. But on the morning of her 17th birthday, those dreams were shattered. She looked in the mirror and saw that her long brown hair had turned gray, She had always known that she would go gray early. Minerva had told her that both her mother and grandmother's hair had turned in their 20s. But she thought she would have a few more years before she went completely gray. She was just a touch older than a child, but she already had hair like an old spinster woman. She shuddered when she imagined what Paul would think of her appearance. She took one last look at herself in the mirror before doing what any rational 17-year-old girl would do in that situation. She locked herself in her room and cried for days. One night, when she had no more tears to cry, she gazed out the window and saw no moon in the sky. New moons always made her anxious. She could never quite escape the feeling that she would meet her end under a new moon. However, that did not stop her from seeking aid from her lunar guide. She may not have been able to see the moon, but she knew the moon could see and hear her. Please, if Paul truly loves me, don't let this sway his heart. The next morning, she heard a gentle knock on her door. Diana, are you ready to go to the meadow for the solar eclipse? Paul is already there waiting for us. It was her sweet friend, Mary. Diana told her to go away, but Mary walked in anyway. She hugged and comforted her tearful friend and ushered her to her vanity. As she styled her hair, she reminded her that she was as beautiful as any queen and Paul would be lucky to have her. As they walked to the meadow, Mary encouraged Diana to walk with her head held high. When they arrived at their meeting spot, Diana could not bring herself to look Paul in the eye. She squeezed Mary's hand in fear as Paul walked up to them. Diana, your hair! As Paul began to speak, she could feel her cheeks redden and tears fill her eyes. It's like... "'Moonbeams!' Diana lifted her head to meet his eyes, which looked mesmerized. "'You're the most beautiful sight I've ever seen!' They all put on their darkened spectacles and waited for the eclipse to start. Mary sat a little further away from her friends to give them some privacy. Paul kept softly brushing his fingers over Diana's hair. "'Moonbeams!' You truly are like the moon. Diana smiled. (laughs) Then you must be the sun. And just as the sun and moon embraced in the sky, Paul and Diana shared their first kiss. For one perfect year, Diana and Paul were closer than ever. They spent every moment they could together. At night, "'Paul would sneak over to the chateau "'and climb through her bedroom window "'so that they could steal even more moments together. "'They would stay up all hours "'doing things only the moon could see, "'and after they would just hold each other and talk. "'They talked about anything and everything. "'Everything except marriage, that is. "'Whenever talks of rings and forevers would start, "'Diana would quickly change the subject.' "'She loved him, and every day she fell deeper in love with him. "'But she knew there was very little chance "'that they would hear wedding bells in their future. "'He was a good man from a good family, "'with the exception of his brother Lucian, "'and she was an orphan from the Chateau. "'He was the mayor's assistant with a bright future in politics, "'and she sold magic water that came from a stump.' She would not even let herself fantasize about white dresses and bouquets. Hope and happy endings were for girls like Mary, not her. She was content to be his confidant. And almost every mayor had had a mistress. Why should Paul be any different? Though she would never be a blushing bride, she was more than happy to be a bridesmaid she would often tease Mary about her inevitable wedding to her handyman beau, Christopher. The throes of passion and true love did not distract Diana from her lucrative business. Every month, the call of the moon water would grow stronger, and the voices carried on the wind would grow louder. These voices were not like the voices at the crossroads. If Diana did not know any better, she would say that the voices that compelled her "'sounded a lot more like the forest spirits "'rather than the spirits of the dead. "'She had never known anyone "'to hear the forest spirits outside of the forest. "'She did her best to push that thought "'and all of its implications out of her head. "'The night before the young men were to fight "'in yet another conflict with the Mountain of Blood, "'she collected the water under the worm moon. "'As she gathered the water,' She heard the voices say, For harmony, for balance, for your children. Children? Diana had never responded to the voices before, but she was caught off guard. The voices continued, Your child, her child, will live in harmony. Diana was perplexed. She could not be with child, could she? And if she was, she could not be more than a few weeks along. And what did the voices mean when they said, her child? Surely they did not mean Mary. Her sweet friend had always said that she was going to wait until marriage. She hoped that the voices were speaking of the distant future and not the present. The next day, Diana and Mary saw their lovers off as they got ready to leave for the fight. Diana gave all the young men tiny bottles of moon water she had collected the night before. The water collected was meant to bring balance and peace. Maybe this would help cease future conflict. Try as she might, she could not get the words from the spirit voices out of her head. She kept two bottles of the worm moon water for herself and Mary just in case there was any validity to their words. As the young men left, Mary looked up at Diana with a worried look. He has to come back. I know, dear. I wish they didn't have to go either. No, you don't understand. He has to come back. Diana watched as her friend rubbed her hand over her stomach. As her hand smoothed her dress, she could see a small yet distinct bump. She had watched Minerva work long enough to know that that was at least a two-month bump. She wrapped Mary in her arms and reassured her. Before they walked back into town, Diana offered her the worm moon water and was insistent that she drink it. She drank hers as well, hoping that the spirits were right and that their future children... Would know harmony and peace, rather than discord. After almost a month and a half, Diana was happy to see Paul return from the fight, but she was devastated to learn that Mary's love, Christopher, was not so lucky. Upon learning that the love of her life and father to her unborn child had been killed, Mary broke down and ran from her friends into town. Diana and Paul thought about running after her, but they were not sure how they could help. Instead, they made their way to the chateau, knowing that Mary would eventually meet them there. The young lovers sat on rocking chairs on the chateau's porch and held hands in silence. After several moments, Paul said, She's gonna have a baby, ain't she? Diana's quiet sobs was all the affirmation he needed. I meant what I said before I left. If I become mayor, there won't be... If? Diana interrupted. There is no if, Paul. You have to become mayor. You're the only one brave enough to put a stop to this conflict with the Mountain of Blood. Decades of corrupt mayors have led to good men like Christopher getting killed. That can all end with you. Paul squeezed her hand. Would you be by my side the whole way? Diana kissed his hand. I will always be by your side, but not the way you want me to be. No one in this town will elect a mayor who has a shadow woman for a wife, but I will still always be here for you in every other capacity that I can. Paul nodded silently. He hated to admit that she was right. After a couple of hours, Mary found her way to the chateau. Paul stood up and offered his chair. Neither he nor Diana could have guessed what she would say next. I... I think I'm going to marry Lucian. He's offered to marry me so that my child can be legitimate. He said all I have to do is sign a contract. Surely being his wife is better than being ostracized right her friends tried to offer her other alternatives but once it was clear that her mind was made up all they could do was accompany her to the morning star inn as she walked into the pub paul whispered to diana that he might have a plan he told her that he may be able to use his position as the mayor's assistant to forge a marriage certificate for mary and christopher That way, Mary would be considered a widow and not have to be treated as an outcast. That only works if Mary doesn't sign the contract, Diana said. Lucian would never let her back out of a deal. After a few moments of trying to figure out how to break a legally binding contract, Mary walked out of the inn looking like a ghost. Her friends walked her to her house and tried their best to cheer her up but they ceased their efforts when mary told them that lucian not only called her child a bastard but also forbade her from ever visiting christopher at the crossroads and with that she walked into her house without another word diana was ready to run back to the morning star inn and pummel morganstern to a bloody pulp paul stopped her even though he really did not want to he told her to go back to the chateau and ask Minerva for as much moonshine as she was willing to part with. He was going to sneak into City Hall and see what he could do about a fake marriage certificate. But what about the contract? Diana asked. We'll worry about that later. Right now, just worry about procuring enough moonshine to bribe the justice of the peace. Paul ran off to City Hall, not knowing that Diana had already concocted a plan to get Lucian to destroy the contract. Diana did not leave her room the next day. Wallowing in her room reminded her of the time not so long ago when she shut herself away because of her gray hair. That problem seemed so trivial to her now. When the sun went down, Paul snuck in through her window with a giant smile on his face. "'I got the marriage certificate. Do you have the moonshine?' "'Minerva gave me five jugs,' Diana said sorrowfully. "'Was there a problem? You don't seem too happy.' Diana answered by giving him a kiss that was almost too long and almost too hungry. "'Diana, tell me, what's wrong?' he commanded as he pulled away. After what seemed like years of silence... "'Diana spoke. "'I'm carrying your child.' "'Paul was stunned. "'All he could manage to do was mutter a small, "'Oh,' and reach out to touch her stomach. "'I'm only a couple months along, "'and I hate to say it, but "'I think this child may be Mary's way out of the contract.' Paul could only tearfully nod as Diana told him her plan. The next night, Diana brought a box of pink moon water to the Morning Star Inn and started peddling her wares. After about thirty minutes, she was confronted by the proprietor. Who said you could sell that snake oil in my establishment? Morganstern sneered. Diana looked up at him through fluttering eyelashes. Pink moon water promotes romance and lustful urges. I thought it would increase business for the ladies who work here. Morganstern shot her a smarmy smile. My girls don't need any help with their business, so you can be on your way. He turned to leave, but Diana grabbed his arm and then ran her hand up his bicep. Maybe we could work out a deal? You can buy a box of pink moon water and sell it to your patrons at a marked-up price. Morgenstern's ears perked up at the words, Marked-up price. He told her to follow him into his office. He started to hash out the details of the deal, but after a few minutes, Diana changed the subject. So I hear there's a wedding on Friday. You're a lucky man. Mary's the sweetest girl in town. And you're a fine man for helping her with her predicament. His smarmy grin grew wider. Anything to help an old friend. Diana hid her disgust with a seductive smile and sat on the edge of his desk. I do worry about you though. Why? Well, Mary is sweet. But she's not what you'd call adventurous. Everyone knows she's the biggest prude in town. All of your drinking buddies are going to be laughing at you. Imagine, the great ladies' man, Lucian Morgenstern, can't even get it from his wife. Morgenstern glared. Then I'll get it elsewhere. You could. "'But you know Mary's daddy would take a shotgun to you if you did. "'I mean, what are you really getting out of this marriage?' "'Morgan Stern sat back in his chair. "'An heir? "'I don't care if it's not my blood. I want a legacy.' "'Diana swallowed back bile, leaned forward, and put a hand on his thigh. "'I can give you a legacy that's your true kin.' "'and all you'd have to do is rip up Mary's contract. "'Wouldn't you rather have a lover who knows what she's doing "'rather than a frigid wife? "'You ain't really the marrying type anyway.' "'Morganstern squirmed in his seat. "'He was enticed, but Diana knew he was not fully convinced yet. "'What about your lover boy, Paul?' "'Your brother is old news,' Diana said, appealing to his ego. He smiled and swelled with pride. She straddled his lap before speaking the words that pained her to say. "'I need a real man.'" Diana was grateful that it started raining after she left the inn. She wanted the rain to wash her clean, though she knew she would never feel clean again. The walk to the chateau was long. The only thing that made her trek bearable was the pleasure she took in ripping Mary's contract up and dropping each tiny piece in the mud. When she finally made it to her room, she was surprised to see Paul standing there with a white rose. She immediately broke down in tears. "'I don't deserve a rose after what I just did. "'I don't deserve anything beautiful.' "'You deserve so many beautiful things, Diana.' "'Paul pulled her onto the bed and held her. "'After hours of crying and kissing, "'they had finally calmed down. "'Once the tears were gone, "'there was nothing left to do but to fantasize. "'They fantasized about living somewhere "'where they could be together "'and where Mary could raise her child without judgment.' They fantasized about what Diana's child would be like. I hope it's a girl. I hope she has your eyes. I hope she has moonbeams in her hair like you do. Oh, don't wish that on a child. Why not? It's beautiful. This made Diana blush. After a few moments of silence, she said, I love you, Paul. I'll always love you, Diana, and I'll make a promise right now. I swear, whenever there's a solar eclipse, I'll sneak through your window and show you just how much I love you. Lunar eclipses, too? Paul smiled and kissed her forehead before saying, Of course. They laid there together all through the night, listening to each other's heartbeats. Soon, Diana would be the target of the town's scrutiny for getting knocked up by the slimy innkeeper. But Paul and Mary's reputations would be safe. No one would ever know that the future mayor had a love child with a shadow woman, and no one would ever know that Mary was an unwed mother. Right now, Diana did not have to think about all of that. All she wanted to think about was her true love sleeping next to her, their child in her belly, and the full moon shining through her window, blessing the whole scene. She would get along just fine. To the perfect mothers, the blood mothers, the widowed mothers, and the moon mothers, Always strive to do right by your children and by your loved ones. Even if that means cotywompling with the shadow people. Potty Womple with the Shadow People was created and performed by Shay Lee and edited by Jonathan Strickland. Special thanks to Lucas Ryan and Jenny Milam. Music by Kevin McLeod at Incompetech Music. Be sure to check out Moonchasers, the other podcast I host with my friend and beta reader Jenny Milam and our other friend Ursula Undress. Moonchasers is a podcast where we talk about tarot, movies, books, Feminism, astrology, and all things witchy, sometimes with wine. You can also check out the podcast that my editor and dear friend Jonathan hosts with our other friend Ariel Caston, called Large Nerdron Collider. Listen to two charming nerds talk about the geeky things that make their hearts happy.